Hi, 13th graders. Welcome back. Before I give you an intro on today's conversation, I just wanted to share with you why we're even having a series called Culture Shock. And the reason is because while we learn about all the things that we didn't learn in school, I thought that it was really important to take a minute to hear people's stories from where they came from, from what it's like to travel, from what it's like to be in situations that are different and challenging to us. And I do quickly want to make the point that while it's an incredibly important field of study to study diversity, equity, and inclusion, this is not a series about that because I wholeheartedly believe that if you are willing to step outside of your comfort zone, if you're willing to ask questions and really hear what people have to say and spend time with people that are different than you, if you're already immersing yourself in other cultures and surrounding yourself with people that have different backgrounds and upbringings and stories than you, DEI becomes a lot easier when we are comfortable with being a little bit in the unknown. And so that's why we are taking some time out to talk about culture. These stories are also really fun and fascinating, and I hope that you'll enjoy them. Today, we are talking with Adewale, who's been with Knit Marketing almost since the beginning. And he shares his story about growing up in Los Angeles as a first-generation American and some common themes between this conversation and the one you heard with Marina are kind of, you know, trying to find his place. And I won't give the conversation away too much, but I think you'll really enjoy it. And I haven't said this in any of the intros, but I should. If anything that any of our guests says or that we talk about resonates with you, feel free to hit us up on social media or send us an email because we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for journeying with us and get ready to learn something. Welcome to the 13th grade. What are some of the moments you remember most about high school? I'm going to go ahead and say it wasn't the Pythagorean theorem. Maybe I need to learn the TikTok, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at right now. And I'm interested in exploring all the things we didn't learn in school. The secret of life is to enjoy the journey, to have fun, to embrace yourself. I'm your host, Rebecca Burrow. I want to invite you to learn with us. Get ready to learn something. Welcome to the 13th grade. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm here with my good friend, Adewale Williams, who is a forever member of Team Knit. Um, He has worked with our team in so many various capacities over the years. I don't even know what his title is. Basically, project manager and doer of all things. (laughs) And I'm excited to have him on the show today to talk about culture and travel and lots of fun things. So Adwale, I will hand it over to you and you can give us a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Becca, for having me on. Like Becca mentioned, I am, I think my title right now is Director of Operations for Net Marketing. But yes, I do many things. (laughs) I'm also currently a case manager for a nonprofit. We work with the probation homeless population. I am, what else about me? I guess I'm 29 years old, almost 30. Oh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> an and exciting. Young. 
<laughs> I wouldn't quite say it's exciting, but hey, I'm on the other side of that, and it, it it just keeps getting better. I promise. Okay, all right that 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 makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I am born and raised in LA. I'm a Los Angeles native, and yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting with us today. We are on the topic of culture. We've we have talked and will talk with people who have traveled to Mexico and different, you know, people who have either come from immigrant families or just experienced culture in different ways. And so I wanted to pick your brain and hear a little bit more of your story because your family is um, from Nigeria and I'm not going to tell your story for you, but yeah, kind of just, I guess, like tee it up a little bit. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your family and what it was like growing up as a first generation American. I am the youngest of six. My parents are both Nigerian, so I am a first-generation Nigerian or first-generation American. And so my parents, I'm the youngest of six. My parents actually emigrated separately to the States. So they were married. And just because it's a very, very difficult process, especially for Nigerians to get to the States, my dad came over first. And then my mom was able to get her visa finally after like five years or so after my dad was here already. So my two oldest siblings, I have my oldest brother and my oldest sister. They are actually like, they were like full grown adults by the time I was born. And they are both, they both live in Nigeria still currently. And then, so my dad came over here kind of tried to get settled and, you know, set things up. And then my mom came over here a few years later, and then they had the rest of us. So myself and three of my other siblings are actually stateside. Okay. So they didn't travel with kids? They did not. I'm sure everybody on the plane was very happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for making me feel bad. (laughs) Because I travel with my little one all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think an infant is I don't an infant is gonna be an infant. For me it's more yeah, like okay, true. the kid is like five years old. They they know <laughs> words, you know, you can tell it's them. To but yeah, it was it was interesting. I would say it was pretty interesting growing up because and obviously some of the things I'm gonna say I didn't realize until I got a little bit older, but it was it was interesting growing up because I felt a lot like I really didn't belong in any group. And what I mean by that is, so, you know, my dad, my parents were very, very Nigerian. My dad was very religious. And of course, he had views on everything. And just like Americans have perceptions of what Nigerians or what well, they pretty much lump Africans as a whole together. So what African life is like or what Africans do, so do Nigerians. They have a perception of what Americans do or especially what Black Americans are like and how they're depicted in media. So essentially, everybody's view of each other is 
basically what they've seen in the media and movies, which, as we all know, can be very inflated or kind of stereotyped. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. And I say, like, I felt like I didn't really have a group that I belonged to growing up because I I didn't feel like I did I didn't have the typical African American experience just because like my parents were really conservative, strict, you know, kind of wary of the outside world. But it was interesting because my dad was like that both for African Americans and Nigerians. Like he he didn't like everybody equally. So I guess he wasn't <laughs> so it was interesting because I felt like, you know, I I wasn't getting the typical quote unquote African American experience, being able to watch certain shows and stuff like that. But I also didn't have the typical Nigerian American experience. So when I did meet other Nigerians, you know, I didn't speak so my parents speak Yoruba. There's a couple of main languages. There's hundreds of languages in Nigeria. A couple of the main ones that I know of at least are Yoruba, which is what my parents speak, and Igbo, which is another language. And those are also, the name of the language is also the name of the people who speak them. So Yoruba people, Igbo people. But I didn't really know any of the language. So when I met other Nigerians, I just, I, I was American. To me, I was, you know, I was American because they could ask me whatever and about Nigeria and I would have no clue. So I always felt like I had a foot in both worlds, but I wasn't really a member of any of them. Do you know, like, have you been able to talk to your parents now later in life about why they didn't teach you Yoruba? Definitely. So <laughs> my my dad used to talk about this all the time, and he's he's a sucker for scapegoats. He loves a scapegoat. Um, he blamed my brother, my oldest brother, who was in the States, because at the time, apparently, this is a story I've been told. I don't know how true this is, but this is a story I've been told, is that my brother didn't start talking until really late, because at school, when he went to school, they would speak to him and teach him English. Mm-hmm. At home, he would get Yoruba from my parents, and then the babysitter, I, I guess at the time, was talking to him in Spanish. Yeah. So he just, I guess he didn't know what to say. Like he didn't know what language to speak. Yeah. So it took him a long time to start speaking. So I guess after that, they're just like, okay, we're just going to talk. We're just going to speak English. Got it. Yeah. That we've been told that because we're raising our kid to be bilingual that because of that, he might have some speech delays. So we're just like, okay, well, whatever, talk whenever you want to, but you're going to speak both languages. (laughs) Yeah, no, I still feel like I would have rather like learned another language just because learning another language later in life, I could see it just makes your brain work differently in a good way, though. Like, so I feel like it helps. It just helps your cognitive function and being able to Mm -hmm. like access those I mean it's the same part it's the language part of your brain but just being able to know a different language and doing translation in your mind it's I feel like it's it's great mental exercise so would highly recommend teaching your kids another language yeah definitely so you going back to kind of like what you were talking about with not really feeling I don't know home, I guess, in any certain group, like, 
what did you end up doing? Where did you end up drifting to or finding friends or community if you didn't really feel a place? Well, it was interesting because, I mean, I only basically went to school because, like I said, my parents were really strict. I didn't do too many extracurricular activities until maybe high school. So Mm -hmm. I, I went to in elementary, I went to a school called Brentwood Science Magnet. It was a really good school. And it was also really, really diverse. There was, you know, obviously Black, white, Asian, Latino, but also like Russians and just like complete diaspora of different types of kids. So that was a great experience. After that, I went to a middle school, like a regular, a public regular middle school by my house. And that was like, 99% Latino. So it was Mm -hmm. definitely like a a strong shift. And like looking back at it now, like as a kid, I remember like I tried to fit in and like I remember (laughs) one time I like relaxed my hair. So I mean, I'm I'm black, I'm Nigerian, so I have like kinky. I have your typical black hair. So just imagine this. I'm still dying to see these pictures. (laughs) You'll never see it. You'll never see it. This small, scrawny little kid with relaxed hair, and it's like slicked back. It was bad. It was very bad. But I, you know, looking back at it, I do realize like that was like one of my attempts to fit in. I still had friends and everything, but it's something. And that was probably like when I started first learning Spanish and the the, all the bad words, of course, because it's middle Mm -hmm. school. But I think that was like one of my like introductions into like the Latino community, especially just because, you know, where we lived at the time was a predominantly Latino community. So I wasn't a stranger to it, even in elementary school. But, you know, just getting to talk to more people, just starting to see their traditions and stuff like that was interesting as well. And then once I got into high school, my high school was it was a magnet as well. So it was a little bit more diverse. But I would say that was probably that was probably like my first introduction to like African Americans or black people. Like just because I didn't there wasn't many in elementary school and there was virtually like none in middle school. Mm-hmm. So I just remember it being not a shock, but I was just like, oh, finally, okay, some some people who look like me, you know? So that was great because, yeah, in elementary, I mean, in high school, I had, like, all different types of friends, which was awesome. And, I, you know, I hope that everybody, I want that experience for everyone, you know, just being yeah. able to have a group of diverse people learning and, you know, interacting and learning from each other, not just in the classroom. So, I mean, in elementary school, obviously, all of my friends were Latino. And then in high school, my friends were just, I had a diverse group of friends, like almost everybody else at the school. So it wasn't anything strange. That's great. And then when I got to college, kind of the same thing, actually. Like, I had a kind of diverse group of friends. It's funny because I actually ended up joining an Asian fraternity, which is a long story. But... Same. I did have also a diverse group of friends in in college as well. I think that's a really rich experience that probably, well, I don't think most people have. I think that's really cool. And you can kind of, I don't know, go back to your childhood. And it's very obvious to see that 
you know, a really diverse population of, of your elementary school kind of helped you be comfortable with lots of different people groups throughout your educational career. That's so cool. But I want to hear more about how you got involved in an Asian fraternity. (laughs) That's funny. So honestly, it was more out of boredom. It was like the last quarter of the year. And I just was looking for other stuff to do. And I saw that fraternity was Epsilon Iota Sigma. And I was like, sure, a couple of my other hallmates were doing it at the time because we were in the dorms. And we were like, yo, let's do this. And yeah, I ended up pledging and <laughs> like going on to become like headmaster later and like vice president and stuff like that. But it was interesting just because, you know, I got to see like almost that I would say like the Asian culture was one that I was least familiar with at the time. So it was it was interesting to see just, you know some of the things and it's funny when you think about it because they don't do anything different than anybody else does and it's it's that saying that we're all a lot more similar than we are different is very very true but it was a really neat experience just to be able to see that but at the same time I felt like I definitely as like the years went on in college grew more distant from the fraternity and I found that it was because it was such a, what's the word, a mono, like, it was, it wasn't diverse enough for me, essentially. Yeah. So at times I felt like, okay, the token black person and that I didn't like that. So I kind of distanced myself from them. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because my roommates at the time were mostly Asian. We had one Latino guy too, but it just, they were different to me. You know, what one was like my core group of friends from my homemates who we just really had a tight bond. The other one was like, you know, we bonded through pledging and these are my bros, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it was it was a little bit different. Yeah, that's still great, though. It's great that you were able to throw yourself into that and just kind of find your place anywhere you were. Definitely. I do want to go back to to mention because I remember. I I was going to kind of make this point and it's something that as I was older, for sure, I recognized, but not so much as I was younger, but going back to when I was talking about the perceptions of people in the media forming people's beliefs, essentially about an entire group of people and how like my dad viewed African-Americans and how African-Americans view Africans, I think definitely like affected how I viewed African-Americans. Like when I was in middle school and stuff, I was a little bit more anxious or a little bit more timid about meeting them because I had this perception that, oh, they're really, you know, like black people are really, I don't want to say loud because shoot, everybody's loud. Like (laughs) I know we're, we're loud. So not loud, but really like, intimidating I guess I'll say mm-hmm. especially because I I've especially back then I was a lot more quiet than I am now so I think I was a little bit more intimidated I had nothing to back those those connotations up besides like maybe something I saw in the media but again right. that's the point I'm trying to make is that it's it's such a terrible system when like not a system but 
byproduct of the entertainment and the media just because it basically like puts up caricatures of mm-hmm. of different cultures and different races and puts that as the representation of them for everybody else to see and view and then other people internalize those beliefs as fact instead of somebody's caricature which is exactly what it is so i think that helped shape my perception of not just black people but a lot of races obviously but mainly black people because you know those are the people who look like me so when i got to high school surprisingly it didn't shape it enough for me to not like talk to black people but i was just like man it was cool because in my school was a lot of different types of black people as well like and that's something that i also talk about with my friends today and stuff like we were talking about recently like because my friends and i like we watched anime and stuff like that and now it's super cool to be like to watch anime and stuff like that but back then especially if you were black and you watched anime people were like oh dude you're so weird like so i think it was was cool that at my school there was like the cool black kids the basketball black kids the nerdy black kids the smart black like there was all like the different types of the skater black kids every all the different types of groups so you could see we're not like a monolithic yeah uh, type of peep yeah that's really good i I just want to kind of like point out something you said too i think part of it is the entertainment and what we see like we're just bombarded with so many messages about people and culture and races and diversity or lack thereof or whatever. And we have to digest that. But I think part of the problem too, that you talked about was like, instead of at home, those lessons being challenged, it was like, oh yeah, this is what you need to be afraid of. Instead of like, I don't know, instead of breaking it down. Yeah. They're basically being reinforced. Right. And I, I mean, I say that to say, like, again, this is me as an adult looking back, like hindsight is always twenty twenty, as they say, yeah. you know, my dad had access to even less information than I did, you know, so right. it's like, I I understand, I can now understand, like, how he would come to the conclusion that he came to. Granted, it's everybody's own responsibility to fact check their own beliefs you know nobody's gonna do that for you but i could understand how like he came to think the way that he used to think because of you know the the content and the information he was absorbing yeah so did you you know talking about like you know fact checking your own beliefs did you have any like moments that you realized oh these people are not as bad as I thought or was it more just kind of a fluid organic thing I think it was more organic because like I I wasn't to the point where I'm just like oh I'm not gonna talk to you because it it just seemed weird to me and I've always been even if I'm quiet if you talk to me I'm gonna talk like that's always been my (laughs) thing like if you talk to me I'll talk I might not initiate the conversation, but I'll talk mm-hmm. to you. So I think uh, just just making friends in high school just taught me like, okay, that it's just, it's wrong. Like what yeah. I see in the media, what all of this is just, it, it's it's not representative of 
the experiences that I've had because so far everybody I've talked to has been cool. Yeah, there might be one or two like, can we cuss on this? Just ask. Sure, them. go for it. <laughs> there might have been one or two assholes, but that that's representative of every group of people that you select, whether it's based on race or whatever. They're just going to be there. So I think just kind of living and experiencing things and being able to like do a compare and contrast of okay is this this perception i had is it true based on my experiences yes this perception i've had is it true based on my experiences no and being able to slowly but surely just make my own mind up on my feelings about it it also like again this is me as an adult who's had a lot of time to think about it so like at the time it, it wasn't as easy just because especially in the black community there is just a lot of and by black community i mean both the african american community and the african community but a lot of just well inter group conflict I, i'm going to call it just like mm-hmm. not being on the same page and especially in the black community just based on like how we view each other how we view ourselves because a lot mainly because of what we see on the news and in media so I think that definitely colored my perception of what black people were capable of what they were like just generally and I think that that was probably like one of the things one of the biggest barriers stuff like being like oh I'm really dark compared to a lot of these other black people Mm -hmm. they're 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 lighter or they're taller or you know stuff like that so I think that definitely also plays a large part in even black kids today like growing up and it sucks because granted like and this could be totally wrong because this is my perception because I'm a dark-skinned man. People, I, I would say generally, it's a little bit harder to get by as a dark-skinned person because, you you know, you can't, you can't pass in any way, shape, or form versus someone who's light-skinned who maybe from a distance can pass as, a, as, a, as not Black, maybe not as a white person, but just as somebody who's not Black. But also growing up to just like start to put yourselves in other people's shoes those you know light-skinned people all had it just as bad because they also got made fun of and they had to go through their own like finding out who they are and stuff like that so I think that also there's other like micro issues that the black community is is working on I would say because I've in the in the in the recent years, I feel like the conversation has come up more and more and more about things like colorism and stuff like that. And I feel like that's that's what helps is things like this, talking about it, because when you start to see that you're not the only person who's been through something or who feels a certain way, you don't feel as crazy. You know, your your feelings are validated. Yeah, so. yeah there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. it's not and that's the other issue like I know we keep going back to media but it is the other issue with media is that it's so surface deep like mm-hmm. you can't just say like this entire group of people is this way where like you're talking about there's so many different subgroups exactly. and each sub 
in each subgroup, there's different families and different people and everybody's facing their own issues. But, and that's, I also think it's like, it's, I don't know, a bit of maturity for you to be able to say, and growth probably for you to be able to say, okay, well, this was my experience, but I'm not the only one that's had it bad. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's something we can all learn from your story and just like, okay, yeah, maybe my life was hard or whatever, but I'm not the only one. Definitely. I think if anything, my current job has taught me that everybody is going through something. Like mm-hmm. it might, they might be rolling down the street in a Rolls Royce, but you know, maybe their mom just passed away. So, right. you know, it's surface level is cool, but it's really important to look past it. This seems like a good place to take a break. We'll be right back. Ever wonder why TikTok is so cool or why you shouldn't say things like woke anymore? Knit Marketing's clients don't have to wonder. Knit's youth team brings a fresh perspective to social media, content creation, web development, and ad management. If your business needs a youth voice, head over to knitmarketing.com to schedule a free consultation today. Okay, let's switch gears really quick because I know that you studied abroad in Argentina and I want to hear about how all this stuff that we're talking about affected that experience. Okay, so I'll start at the beginning. I had a friend whose name was Paris. I'm still really great friends with him. He is Black and he went to Argentina via the study the same study abroad program I did like he went two semesters before I did. So when he got back, and mind you, he had, I believe he spoke Spanish before he even went. Like, and when I mean he speaks Spanish, like he legit speaks Spanish, like not <laughs> like stumbles through it. Like I know he legit, he could pass as a native speaker. So, you know, he had, you know, he was like, dude, you should go. Like, it's really exciting. And I don't think he even really gave me a lot of details, but just... I think it was just how excited he was about it, like made me just really think of the possibility, like, you know what, why not? There there are certain things in my life that I distinctly remember, like the moment where I was just going to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And mm-hmm. this was one of them. I was just like, you know what, let me do it. And <laughs> what sold me on it was just like, hey, this is an amazing chance to travel I also need to get my Spanish credits done. So what better way to do it? And it was it was my last semester of school. So I was like, sure, you know, why not? Let's go out with the bang. And it was an amazing experience. Like I can't even put it into words. So for anybody who is listening, they were called the Soul SOL Education Group, I believe. They also partnered with Gilman Scholarship. So I got I applied for that scholarship. I think I got part of it to go, but it was also really inexpensive. It was like essentially the same. And part of the reason I chose Argentina was because it was more of the, one of the more inexpensive countries to go to. So it turned out being the same amount I would have paid if, you know, I had just stayed at UC Riverside and finished out my, my summer there. So yeah, I didn't know much if anything about Argentina before I went (laughs) so we ended up that was actually also my first time on a plane we had flown to Georgia first and then from we flew to Atlanta then from Atlanta to Buenos Aires 
and yeah that the my first time on a plane was from la to atlanta and i was like wow this is crazy and then from <laughs> atlanta to side note side note okay so we are in california <laughs> we are used to i'm used to like i said i'm like I feel very at home amongst Latinos. Like I, I say it all the time just because that's how I grew up. It's like yeah. if I'm looking around and there's a sea of white people, if I see a Latino or I'm like, okay, cool. Like, all right, cool. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a difference. But when, so we flew from LA to Atlanta. We did not leave the airport, but I kid you not, it was me and my roommate who went with us, Thomas, he's Korean. And we got off the plane and I looked around and I kid you not, I was like, I've never seen so many black people in my life. <laughs> it was crazy. Everyone was black. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was just, it, it was weird because it's something so simple and something that you would think doesn't really matter. But like looking back at it, it's like, wow, this is how other people feel all the time, you yeah. know? So, yeah. I mean, I'm listening to this story thinking that exact same thing. Well, I feel like that yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it's, it, again, like sometimes things just go over your head because like before I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't think it mattered, but until yeah. it was in my face and I, and I actually did notice it and I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. Like where, where have y'all been? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it was, it was yeah. just a cool experience. So we hopped on the plane from Atlanta to Buenos Aires. We were there for two months total. We stayed with a host family. Everybody had a host family. We had a host mom. It was just her. She was this sweet, sweet old Argentinian lady. Her name was Moochie. And you oh, stayed with your with the guy you were traveling with or by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I stayed with it. so both him and I came from UCR. We went together. So we took the same classes and everything like that so it was cool to be able to actually go with somebody that I knew but they set it up in the in the sense of they also gave us activities and stuff to do outside of school at least for the first month so that we'd get to know a little bit of the city the culture and stuff like that so we stayed with Moochie she had like a little apartment building that was right by the soup there the subway over there and it was on the sixth floor and one of the times I'll never forget, because I was like, okay, my Spanish is decent. Like, I feel like I could get by. And she kept on saying, la calle, la calle. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, what is that? She was like, and I was like, what is she talking about? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, she's saying, she was either saying the street or keys. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, they pronounce things a little differently here. So that's going to take a little getting used to. But I also remember, like, this was maybe a month or a month and a half after being there. I woke up and I was doing something on my laptop and I was like typing. And I noticed, I was like, whoa, that was really weird. I was thinking in Spanish. Like, yeah, you know, what take long. Yeah. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. And it's just, it's just something funny that happened that I would have never thought. But, the whole experience, oh, I don't even I really don't even know how to put it in words. It was it was definitely life-changing for sure. Mm -hmm. Just to be able to experience another culture, I would say and some of these things I noticed 
when I got back to the States, like one thing I noticed when I got back was, damn, like people are in such a rush over here and rude and don't care. It's just like, I need to get to where I'm going right now. I don't care about you. Just get out of my way. Like versus over there. Like, I mean, I encountered one or two rude people, but most everybody was like, hey, if they're asking, how are you? They, they actually want to know like, hey, how are you? How are you Mm -hmm. doing? Like, how was your day? Versus like, that's our way of saying, hey, you know, like, hey, keep it moving, you know? So I think people there are more genuine. I feel like there's more of an emphasis on self-care over there, just in terms of like, hey, your store, like stores aren't going to be open 24-7. Like those people have lives too. They have things they need to do. They have families. So if they're closed, you know, they're closed. So I think, you know, things like taking siestas and stuff like that. I think life is a little bit slower there, but not in a bad way. One of the other things that was, sorry, I'm just completely rambling right now. No, no, no. I'm like biting my tongue because I studied abroad in Argentina too. And I want to be like, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. To everything you're saying, but I'm just letting you share. So please go ahead. Okay. Okay. One of the other things that I also noticed was I felt like I was an adult in the 90s there because everything is a little bit in terms of like technology as a little bit like behind over there so but also in terms of like the culture so thomas and i found like a couple of um like hip-hop clubs and stuff like that and they were playing like all 90s hip-hop and i was like oh this is amazing this is so cool and there was like graffiti and stuff like that so i just felt like oh, this is, must have been what it was like to be like an adult in the 90s versus a child like I was. <laughs> so that was really cool too. They had, In terms of like their culture, I feel like they do a lot of things that like everybody can, ex- can get excited about. I think mm-hmm. it was like every other week or maybe, I think every other week they had something called La Bomba and it was like essentially like at first a traveling like concert until they got to the amphitheater and then they would they would like do the concert and it was a bunch of like drums and like I believe it's like I don't I might be misspeaking here but I think it's like native Argentinian like music but it sounded kind of modern a little bit but very heavy on the drums but it was really really cool because it was like it was like a, a celebration in the street like you know how when a team out here wins, if the Lakers win, everybody's crowding the streets and walking. Yeah. Down. It was just like that. So it was, re- but it was just you know a Thursday. So yeah, it was really cool. cool to experience that as well. We also a couple of the really cool things that we did with our um, program or the people who put it together was we got to visit Iguazu waterfalls. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing the largest waterfalls in the world, I believe. And it was just, it like, that's hard to put into words, just how big, you know, the sound, the power behind them, just being able to get there. The little animals, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like, I would say like a cross between like a squirrel and a lemur. And they were all over the park for Iguazu Falls. And 
everybody told you, like, don't put your stuff down because they will steal it. They were literally <laughs> reaching in people's bags and, like, stealing stuff and running away. It was hilarious. Um, but that was a really great outing that we went to. A couple of the other outings we went to was while I was there, I got really into drinking mate. And it's funny because mm-hmm. now I can be a super snob about it and be like, I used to drink mate natural, like all yeah. natural, like not just the drink. I was on mate when it first came out. No, not when it first came out, obviously. But, you know, now that it's getting big <laughs> in the from state, the like, source. Yeah, exactly. I could tell people like, hey, like you should try like real mate, like the tea. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. So I even still have my mate cup that I bought out there. But it was cool because they took us to a mate processing plant. So they took us to this really far ranch and it was so beautiful. Like I could literally live there and just like tune out to the world, to the outside world and be fine. It was just the most like beautiful ranch you could ever see. Super green, super lush. Like, and they were just there making mate and it was great. I guess I should explain what mate is. Mate is like, I would call it coffee, but it's only similar to coffee in the sense that it gives you energy. It does not taste like coffee. It's more like a tea, essentially, that gives you energy versus a coffee. So that was amazing. And then one of the last things that we did before we actually came back was we went to a class that they taught us to make empanadas. So that was really cool because I had been, I had probably had, several hundred empanadas while I was down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were just amazing. And I still I haven't had one as good as any of the ones I've had down there since. No, and no it's, way. it's kind of disappointing. But they're just oh man, they're just the most amazing snacks or lunches that you could ever have. So <laughs> it was cool to be able to make make our own and stuff like that. So it's yeah. it, all in all just an amazing experience that I would trade for no amount of money because it was just, it definitely partly shaped who I am today. And it was just like a really eye-opening experience because I think it's important to see like, hey, like, I don't know, just us as Americans, we believe, and we're taught this, of course, we're taught to believe like, we're the best we know everything we have no problems everybody else has a bunch of problems where it's like no like you know even like their let's say their technology isn't and it's not to say they don't have technology i'm just talking like your average consumer isn't walking around with a bunch of apple products and stuff right mm-hmm. so like some people might look down at that but it's like honestly i think it maybe that's why the society is better maybe that's why they care more about each other because they're not obsessed with you know whatever the latest technology is they're they're still talking to people like in yeah. person they're still like actually being a human being right when they go to a cafe they're enjoying their cafe exactly. and they're having a conversation their phones aren't out mm-hmm. they're not going to just like take up a table with their laptop they're exactly going to enjoy their time yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool what other you said that it kind of shaped you what other ways you talked about you know slowing down and definitely I think which I want to get more back into it was funny because it was actually one of my goals for this year but then corona happened (laughs) but just 
like because when I was there you know I was a little bit more like yo I'm in a new place I can't I need to get out of my comfort zone like let's meet people let's talk to people just to be more outgoing and everybody is there is very receptive even though like I was one of the few black people that was there I did notice that there wasn't a lot of black people when I did run into black people a lot of them were immigrants from Senegal apparently Mm. but I'm not sure what the reasoning um behind that is um, obviously something must have happened to create like you know that huge influx of people from Senegal but mm-hmm. everybody was super like receptive and super nice and like didn't give me the cold shoulder if I didn't know something or I pronounced something wrong you know it was just like they treated me like hey this guy's like one of our own obviously he's not from here but yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna help him as much as we can that's great so I think it it helps me to and it's funny talking about this makes me I don't know if you've seen it yet but the movie that just came out on uh, I think it was Disney Plus Soul everybody's talking about it right now oh, no, I haven't seen it it's a really good movie it's a it's a animate animated movie but essentially that's what the movie boils down to is just like appreciating the little things in life like life isn't always about getting that one dream job and because essentially this guy in the movie is like he's a musician and he's obviously constantly getting told no and he finally like gets to audition for his dream job and then he like suddenly like dies but not really so he's really upset because he was like dang my life was just about to start and like just about not appreciating like the little things like I still remember like going to a cafe down there and picking a a milanesa, a chicken milanesa, and I didn't know what it was. And I was just like, whatever, we're going to try it. The picture looks pretty good. And just sitting down there and enjoying it. Like, just I can visually, I could put myself back there. It was daytime, the sun was shining. I was looking out the window. I was in the corner of the cafe and I just ate and it was good and it was something new. But you know, I mean, I eat every day, at least three times a day, but (laughs) that, you know, sticks with me just because of how simple it was, how like, just I was able in that moment to really appreciate where I was, what I was doing, and literally every small thing that was around. Yeah, totally. I love that. Well, that kind of brings us to our ending question we've been asking everybody you know this is a show for lifelong learners and so i'd love to know either from your travels or your upbringing or jobs or anything in life what is something that has i I don't know something that's been important to you now that you wish you would have known sooner there's so many things wow i would say i would say generally take more risks. Hmm. I think like to me I consider this as a risk. For example, like it was something that just because it's something I'm not familiar with. A risk is anything that's you know, you're unsure of essentially. But you know, take risks because usually granted calculate uh, please put an asterisk by this cuz I don't want to be responsible for anybody's death or anything, but I mean, oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, somewhat, I mean, a, a risk that's just outside of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you want things to change for if you're fine, 
don't take risks. If you are 100% happy with your life, keep chugging along. But you have to be okay with getting a little bit uncomfortable in order for your situation to change. Not to say that at that time I wanted my situation to change, but I did want to experience something different. And I think it's important to do that from time to time so you, you're you not just receiving the same information over and over again because that information is just going to dumb you down. You have to always expose yourself to something new. The other thing I would say, which is kind of not related to what I've been talking about, is just being more financially responsible. <laughs> and I'm sure you had a whole episode on that or will later on, but yes, we will. It's it's really important to not even just being financially responsible, but just knowing just knowing how money works and knowing what you're expected to do with it just because it's something that they don't teach you in school but yeah. can li- literally mess your life up when it, it really doesn't make any sense because they don't teach it to you in school but they expect you to do it once you get the the moment you get out of school mm-hmm. so i think it's important to while you're in school ask your parents hey could i sit with you while you do your taxes why are you doing your taxes or even if they even if all your parents do is go to H&R Block and pay somebody to do it, at least, hey, you know, you could go to H&R Block and go get your taxes done. Right. So I think it's important to understand that, especially now that we're in 2020, kids, I mean, I, I don't want to call them kids, but uh, young adults are now like they have an extra foothold because they're first to the technology. Right. So understanding that there's more than your typical ways to make a buck. So understanding the way money works, what you're supposed to do with it. Yeah, I think that that's one of the other things that I I wish I would have known. It is huge. And it is funny because we did have a few conversations about personal finances that we will be, you know, publishing on this podcast. But it is so true. And I feel like so many people my age, you're younger than me, but like our age are like this is the thing that I really wish I would have known and so I, yeah. I hope I hope that our listeners still have time <laughs> to to take this advice and use do. it yeah I think they do I saw a, a video recently and it was about like retirement and stuff like that and how much you would have to save and stuff like that so I mean even up until like 25 26 yeah like you could still see it's never too late to start that's for sure no. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Adewale. I really loved this conversation. As you know, this is something that I could talk about all day. I was Where... ready to Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do a part two. Where can people find you? If you guys want to check out, I don't know if I mentioned that I rap, you but I rap. I'm, I'm a music artist. You can check me out on Instagram, Graphic LA. That's graphic with a K. So G-R-A-P-H-I-K-L-A. Um, yeah, you can check me out there. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I loved this conversation. And to our listeners, stay tuned for next time. Awesome. Thanks, Becca. The 13th Grade Podcast is a production of Knit Marketing. Music written and performed by Adewale Williams and Yusef Blake. Sound engineering and editing by Jackson Buhaj. Thank you for joining us and be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a review. See you next class.